go with a, another guy who, whose fan base thinks that they're going to win the national championship almost every single year. And it's pretty funny. Notre Dame's new quarterback, Sam Hartman, he came from Wake Forest, a team that went eight and five, won the Gasparilla Bowl against Mizzou 27 to 17. But, you know, there, there's, there wasn't a ton to cheer about besides the quarterback play at Wake Forest. Hartman pulls it back, looking in zone, touchdown, Deacons. And now he is transferred and he is at Notre Dame, a Golden Domer. A lot of expectations from that fan base. What can we expect from Sam Hartman in 2023, Kevin Anderson? I'm really excited about Sam Hartman. I think he's a guy that between the ears is really, really good and understands a high football IQ. You know, that's a testament to his completion percentage. You know, I think around 63, 64% on the season. Um, However, throughout his career, he's had a high percentage. Now, with that, he's also had a lot of attempts. So, you know, comparing him to a Pratt, Michael Pratt, you know, Tulane didn't throw it nearly as much as, as Wake Forest did. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons were, were being, you know, carried around the field by Sam Hartman. You know, they were actually very interesting how they did what they did a protection that was kind of not an RPO, but it was a play action in the mesh. And they almost like did a no drop from the gun mesh and the shotgun. We'll, we'll take some looks at it. Um, but it was very um, different, you know, and it, it stretched the defense in a way that I've never seen. So, you know, I'm wondering how some of that led to some big plays. Um, but at the same time, I think that he's going to be a very good guy, good quarterback at Notre Dame. Um, you know, he's, you know, playing at Wake Forest. You don't exactly lead the ACC in recruiting classes. So, you know, he's playing with guys now at Notre Dame that, you know, he can elevate those guys around him where instead of he was bringing guys up to him at Wake Forest, I think now he's taking guys that are as good as him, if not better, and making them a championship contender. You know, um, you can hide a left guard, you know, you can hide uh, a three technique that's weak, right? But you can't hide a quarterback. Um, so the fact that Notre Dame's getting such a, you know, um, a smart and veteran player, I think is going to be, is going to pose very well for them. Now, um, last year, he, some of his highlights, he had six touchdowns against Clemson. You know, Clemson, Wake Forest, that's one of those disparities we talk about. Hey, big games, what does a quarterback do? You know, that Clemson roster you know, has a lot more stars in the Wake Forest roster. Um, so, you know, at all, all, all categories there. Now then against Louisville, you know, comparable ACC opponent, you know, he had his worst game of the year, 57% completion percentage, one touchdown, three picks. So um, we'll start here with some of his accuracy. Now I think he, you know, is decision-making and accuracy go hand in hand, right? You know, if you don't know where you're going with the ball, you're not going to be accurate. And that's just the, the end of it. If you're late getting to where you need to go, you're not going to be accurate. Now, you look at some of these, you know, pre-snap, you know, we got man-to-man. It's a goal line, one-on-one option. He's got a uh, back shoulder fade ball here that, you know, pre-snap, he, he knows where he's going with this. There's not a ton of room to get behind the guy. The guy's playing about two yards off and like, a shadow technique where he's not physical press, but he's trying to just mirror. Um, so, you know, pre-snap, you got to know you're going back shoulder here, and I think he does. And then you show, see how incredible his accuracy is when he knows where he's going pre-snap. And if you guys are hearing clicking on there, that's Kevin Anderson working the highlight film. And if you're just listening, you should get on and watch on YouTube and see exactly what we're seeing and what, what Kevin's seeing and how he's analyzing these quarterbacks. Excuse me, this is one where I would say not a first read throw, 
more of a second read throw. Now, he's not really moving in the pocket, but his first angle here is lining to the corner here. So we have some bunch concept where he's got his hip angle first. He's reading this kind of top down, all right? And then you'll see as he slowly changes his hip alignment, I'd call that a quarter turn. So he's not just, oh, I see a guy open. I'm going to turn and rotate and throw. He understands how to move his feet at the last second to get the throwing angle that he wants. So you see here, set at a corner, back foot moves first here. We change our line, and now we're incredibly accurate to the perimeter. Hey, it's not sexy, but it's a three-yard throw, and it turns into a touchdown. Now, that is usually because it is a high-level playing quarterback with accuracy and decision-making, taking what the defense gets him. Gives him. Now, this is a, a touch throw here. Yeah, it's just another credit to his accuracy. You know, he's got a beautiful touch throw, um, very accurate on it. And, and, you know, talking about levels and arm strength, that's kind of what we're getting at here. So now this is, we talked about this delayed mesh. All right, so right here, you know, it truly is a run play because everybody's blocking. However, they've eliminated their double teams. So the O-line stays at the line of scrimmage, which, you know, I've never seen this before until this year. This is a brand new concept. Whereas a regular RPO, you'd still get to your second-level defender. So now he's throwing at a, like a three-yard pocket here. All right, but as you see, beautiful touch. He's picking a spot on a deep post action here. When we throw these versus a quarter safety here, he's adding to the run fit. Now we can throw away from the corner. Right, we've got inside release here. Let's go pick a spot. A lot of quarterbacks have a hard time throwing guys across the field. So this just is a testament, again, to his accuracy. You know, we talk about how far of a throw we're getting into arm strength here. Ball's in the 30. Now it's caught on the 30. So 40 yards on the dot, you know, I think he's got enough to get it done. Um, accuracy, I gave him a nine and a half because I think he's incredibly accurate. Arm strength, I gave him an eight. And now the reason is because of some throws like this. As we talked about Michael Pratt and his head position and his feet, like you see here, Sam Hartman, you know, ball's on the opposite hash with the 22-yard line. Um, you see, you know, clean pocket, not really efficient movement as a passer. We see his head moving to the side, kind of falling off balance. His, his lead leg, which I like strong in the ground, slips under him as he's as he's rotating. So not a great base when he's becoming a rotational athlete. And as we see this in full speed, you know, it's still a touchdown. But if you're an NFL scout, you're not you're not putting this on the highlight film. Um, so ball left severely underthrown and inside. Uh, and the ball is on the 20-yard line. So I look at some of that and I'm saying, hey, why are we working so hard to create power? You know, this looks like he's trying really hard and the ball is not being receptive. Um, so guys that don't make it look effortless typically don't have strong arms. Now here's the same mesh play. And we talk about um, skipping here to uh, uh, pocket presence because decision-making, his staff speak for it himself. You know, he absolutely knows pre-snap what the concept is trying to attack. And he has post snap recognition, you know, the proofs in the pudding with his body of work. Now, pocket movement. So decision-making, I gave him a nine, all right? Um, now, pocket movement. This is a guy who is athleticism I graded low because he's not really going to run. I think he had a 100 yards rushing this year. So, you know, a guy who's not physically that gifted. But you look here at this mesh. When you're working at the line of scrimmage with a pocket, you know, that's way harder as a quarterback. You know, this is – you know, a testament to him finding a soft spot in the pocket and then still taking that cover for post shot. Now, the location wasn't as good here. 
you know, we're still under throwing guys. We're still not throwing the ball that far downfield. Um, we get a back view here. You know, he already knows this is the guy he's reading. So as he's in the mesh, he's just glued to him. Then he comes out of the mesh and he's got a he's got a, a shade just destroying his center. You know, that goes back to the whole, you know, what are we dealing with on our side personnel versus our competition? You know, he moves in the pocket here and ends up making a beautiful throw. I'd like to see him sit in here and not jump as much. Um, but, you know, it ends up being this is very impressive pocket movement. All right. So I gave him a uh, 8.5 there. Now, athleticism, again, was a 7. All right. Now, this is the last one here. You know, arm strength and athleticism are tied together. He has enough to get it done. Ball's on the 40. Now, remember, this is press man, so you're well within a completion. However, when you do get behind the team, you want to cash in. So I like the location fading him away. However, you look at the receiver's technique at the top of this route, he gives just a little extension there. You saw his arm push and extend, you know, just enough to get that separation where if ball's in front, he can still accelerate out in front. And now this is a touchdown instead of a catch and tackle. Um, so definitely one of the things I evaluate a quarterback on is it is not easy in the NFL to get behind the defense. If we do, we need to cash in at a high percentage. Um, and so looking at how he forecasts the NFL is that's a worry. You know, ear to ear, the guy's a stud. Mentally, he knows ball at a high level. Physically, um, you know, he's going to project as a career backup, in my opinion, um, physically. But a guy who will come in and know a system, provide veteran, you know, leadership with his attention to detail and all those great things. This this upcoming season is huge for him because, you know, I'm saying, oh, he's projecting as a backup. Well, he plays at home versus Ohio State September 23rd, and he plays at home versus USC. And that's a classic rivalry. So those games have had historic, you know, Matt Liner, you know, history games where I'd like to see if he can come away and win, you know, one or two of these, it'll solidify him as a draft pick, you know, top three rounds. If he can win them both, you know, that's going to maybe potentially push him over as a Heisman, uh, as a Heisman winner. Um, so two big games that will decide their championship status and his Heisman status. Yeah, that, that Ohio State game coming up is huge. You mentioned the USC game. That's that's just as big, but Clemson as well towards the end of the season and Stanford and Pitt's on there too. The thing with Notre Dame, like their schedule, when you look at their schedule like year in, year out, and they win against some of these teams, they're like big names or names that like should you're like, okay, they they that's a good win. But like for the last couple of years, like wins over USC and wins over Stanford, like that sounds good. But like the last couple of like five to seven years, like those wins weren't really that good. Like Stanford really isn't that great of a team. USC wasn't as good as a team. But this year, this schedule, those three games, Ohio State, USC, Clemson, those are huge games. So we'll see what Notre Dame's about. We'll see what Sam Hartman's about. Um, he got sacked a decent amount last year. He got sacked 34 times. So Notre Dame's known for having some good offensive linemen, definitely some good tight ends. We'll see if he utilizes uh, one of those guys from TEU, a tight end university, and see what he what he can produce in 2023. So Bo Nix. Bo Nix finished last year fourth in Heisman voting. He's been, this is his second team. He was with Auburn and, and now he's with Oregon. 
and he has a lot of potential and the ducks are always good and they're always number one when it comes to showing out with the uniforms so let's see if his game in 2023 is as pretty as their uniforms what do you have to say about Bo Nix Jeff Supernoff yeah the uh the Bo Nix experience there was I think and I think it was deserved a little bit of hesitation you know from what I could find on the part of the Oregon Ducks fandom when he transferred in because of how up and down he was at uh, when he was at Auburn. You know, you go back and look at some of his game splits, like he'll go from, you know, he'll have an 80% completion percentage with two touchdowns, 73%, you know, with a touchdown and then dropping down to like 48%, you know, in a couple of picks. And it, it, like competition, you know, he's in the SEC. It's good competition week in and week out, but it's even first two games, 2021, it's Akron and Alabama State. Akron, he puts up 90% completion percentage, three touchdowns, you know, all, you know, more touchdowns than incompletions, right? You can't beat that. And then the next week against Alabama State, uh, he comes in and goes nine for 17 for 108 yards. You know, it, it's so it's just that that roller coaster. That being said, you know, like, I don't think there's ever been a question about his talent. You know, I, he's confident in his game. I mean, he beat Alabama in the Iron Bowls freshman. Right? That, that's, that, that's saying something. And then... You know, coming to Oregon last year, you know, he takes the reins and he just freaking explodes. And a lot of it was he was able to stay consistent pretty much week in and week out. He ended the year with just over 3,500 passing yards, 71.9% completion percentage, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions, go along with 510 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. He had a hell of a year. But the biggest thing that really stood out to me is how consistent he was week in and week out. He had exactly two weeks where he had a completion percentage below 60%. One of them was the very first game um, of his career at Oregon, and that was against Georgia. And so I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass on that because, you know, as it turns out, Georgia was a freaking monster last year. And then against Stanford, he was was at 55%, but he also tacked on 141 rushing yards that game. You know, all in all, I gave him a seven for accuracy and about like an eight and a half to nine for arm strength. He has a super strong arm. He can make really just about any throw. Ready to chuck it down the field. Ball next to the end zone. Dropped it. My biggest worry is, you know, in the film that I was watching, he, not to say that he always did it, but that deep ball would be underthrown a little bit. So, you know, if it wasn't for the talent, some of his receivers and tight ends and whatnot, that he then, you know, that ball's picked off or that ball's broken up. Decision-making was a really tough one for me to grade, and I ended up just giving him a six and a half. Um, If I'm grading him on just what he did at Oregon, it's a lot higher. If I'm just grading him on what he did at Auburn, it's probably lower. You know, I mentioned consistency a lot, you know, like some of the lowlights that he had when he's at Auburn, you know, pocket breaks down, he tries to scramble, or even in the pocket, you know, that first read's not there. He's either, like, he's locking on a guy, you know, he's trying to force it, make something happen. And you saw a little bit of that at Oregon. Um but nowhere near as much. Um, you know, there are a couple of plays. He breaks the pocket. He breaks contained. He doesn't force, you know, he buys time. He buys time. He, you know, he lets a receiver, I think maybe they're running back, find a soft spot along the sideline. And so that decision-making is better. The question is, you know, can he carry that over and be consistent in 2023? Pocket presence and athleticism, I gave him both an eight. He, I mean, he's a good runner. He was the, I'm pretty sure he was the number one dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. Like he could move. And Oregon, you know, they did design some stuff for him. They do have some zone read stuff for him. And honestly, the, the game against Stanford where he put up was six rushes for 141 yards and two touchdowns. It looks like 
those high school clips where the kid that is just that much bigger and faster than anybody else starts running. And that's what it looked like against Stanford. You know, he had one, two, three, four, five games with multiple touchdown runs. And, you know, he's also, he is able to extend plays. When pressure comes, he's not automatically looking to take off. You know, he is looking to extend that play. He is looking to get the ball downfield. At the same time, he is able to get downfield if he needs to run. Going into 23 or 2023, Oregon, I think, is poised for a monster year. Um, their top two running backs are coming back, Bucky Irving and Noah Winnington. Irving had over just over 1,000 yards rushing to go along with 300 yards receiving. Noah Whittington, 779 rushing, 169 receiving. Irving was over 1,000 yards. Whittington was just under total yardage on the year. Two of their top three receivers are coming back, too. The one that they did lose, Chase Cota, he's with the Lions. He's in the, he's in the league somewhere. But Troy Franklin's coming back. He's the top guy. Last year, he had 61 receptions at 891 yards. Pretty sure he's on Bolitnikoff watch lists. Their tight end is coming back, Terrence Ferguson. He averaged 12.5 yards of reception, five touchdowns. And then the O-line, they did lose a couple of pieces, but they have a lot of talent. It's just solidifying. So Oregon could be a very, very good offensive football team this year. Looking at their schedule going into it, pretty soft non-conference. Portland State, they do go to Texas Tech Week 2, which you know I, I think could be interesting. Um, you know I think Oregon should take care of business, but at the same time, you know, you're on the road against the Power 5 team. Um, and then they're home against Hawaii. I think the big one... Their first conference game, and I believe Colorado's is as well, is Saturday, September 23rd, and it's Colorado is coming to Eugene. Um, again, I think Oregon, you know, I think they take care of business, but at the same time, um, you know, Pac-12 opener, you know, Coach Prime coming into Eugene, you know, let's see what happens. So I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game. Then they're heading to Stanford, but then October 14th, they're going to Washington. You know, there's going to be a lot of people paying attention to that one. That should be a fantastic game. Washington State comes to Eugene. Um, then they have to go to Salt Lake City to play Utah. And, you know, Utah is just freaking tough. You know, they're going to come at you with a baseball bat. So that one, especially on the road, I think should be a really good uh, really good example of what he can do. California at home, USC at home, which, you know, USC, they're a good team. They have a lot of talent, but it is in Eugene. They go to Tempe to take on Arizona State, and then they get Oregon State at home. So they don't have to make that trip to Corvallis going to be some tests there's definitely going to be uh good examples for him to you know show what he can do in hostile environments um but the big thing is is just his consistency you know if he right now there's there's two different bonix experiences you know there's the auburn one which is a roller coaster and then there is the oregon one which is a jet plane and so it's you know what can he do in year two to you know, show that level of consistency, you know, and just kind of build on everything that he's done so far. With Bo Nix, and I guess we'll see this year, and, you know, he had a lot of pressure on him. And like you said, it was a roller coaster. I'm sure that that probably would have been uh, hard to live up to that very next year. And I feel like when he went to Oregon, it's a kind of like a clean slate, right? And the, you know, not saying that Auburn doesn't have talented athletes, but you know that the weapons that he would have, even on checkdowns, are going to be some very, very fast guys and, you know, kind of have a different kind of fan base in a way where like Auburn, that's, you know, that's everything to them, you know, football, not saying it's not for Oregon, but you don't think of, of it like that there. So there's probably a little bit of pressure release and knowing that clean slate, let's just go out and ball. So it's, it's very interesting knowing that the top quarterbacks in 2023, majority of them are in the pack 12 and the pack 12 is going to be 
dunzo appear pretty soon. But uh, a lot of the college scouts, they're going to be, you know, watching football uh, after dark in the Pac-12. They're going to be watching that uh, Penix Jr. game and Bo Nix on October 14th. And they're going to watch Cam Rising, who's ice water in his veins, got a, a big heart when it comes to playing. And they ball out in Utah. They they rarely lose games there. And Cam Rising beat Caleb Williams not once, but twice last year. And they play again this year. So that'd be interesting. So see what we have from Bo Nix going into uh, 2023. The dog days are almost over. You know, just watching baseball and some bad U.S. women's soccer uh, is 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 over. It's it's going to be college football here soon and NFL football and America is going to be great just because of football. So thank you everybody for jumping on. Thank you for listening, everybody for watching, and we will see you guys again soon. Knicks drops back underneath.